Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Agurney, film editor for theyoungfolks.com. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a news and entertainment writer at Collider. It's Will Ashton. Will, say hello. You got to look up from all those comics you're drawing right hello, now. Hello, hello. I know. You always got your eyes on the funnies. <laughs> I guess so. This week, we are talking about a movie called, an A24 movie called Funny Pages, mm. the feature directorial debut of Owen Klein. Um, but, but there there was a whole thing about this, yes. right? Well, are you ready for your victory lap? I guess so, yeah. So uh, we, you and me, were not really sure what to do this week. There was no major release, I guess, that came out, uh, depending on how you feel about the Spider-Man No Way Home re-release or the Jaws re-release. Or, yeah, for that, uh, the Spider-Man thing, it was like, yeah, we, they, they call it the more stuff cut or whatever i don't remember but like awesome they basically cut. just made a yeah they just made a longer version added more scenes and they were like give us money again please yeah i mean they you know they saw an opportunity you know it's a holiday weekend yeah. there was no for whatever reason there was no big release this weekend so made sense they wanted to put it out uh but yeah i mean it, i guess i don't know what ended up being the number one movie in america this past weekend i Heard it was neck and neck between that and Top Gun Maverick, but I'm not I sure thought it was Top Gun Maverick. Maverick, yeah. um, but uh, let me look at it right now because I, I definitely don't think um, it was uh, Funny Pages, right? I, I think that's probably yeah. the the case. So I mean, what you're getting at is basically the the big release, I guess, as it were, of uh, this holiday weekend was oh, Spider Man. Okay, I, I figured it was Spider Man, but I, I knew it was did Top it was Gun being number two. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Spider-Man No Way Home collected $6 million. Wow. Um, <laughs> $6 million after a year of being out. Yeah. Uh, and then Top Gun Maverick made 5.5, which to me is more impressive considering, mm. you know, it's at, still at the top of the charts. It had opened Memorial Day weekend in the summer. Like, how right. amazing is that? Yeah, I mean, that's way more impressive considering, like, they didn't add anything. It was just that people still wanted to yeah. see the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's also, like, like Sp- Spider-Man, or I guess unlike this version of Spider-Man, this is the same movie. It's available right now on demand. Right. Top Gun Maverick. And people were still like, yeah, but, you know, I can't, I, I want to mm-hmm. watch it on, I demand to watch it on the big screen still. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a very sort of patriotic film. People wanted to celebrate the holiday, Labor Day, as it were, by yeah. seeing Tom Cruise do his thing once again. So we did a uh, poll on yeah. the Twitter. Yeah. You know, because we had a few options, right? You know, we we talked about maybe we'll do a fall movie preview. Mm. Maybe we'll talk about you wanted to talk about funny pages, the yes. A24 thing. You're hearing good stuff. I thought about doing Rings of Power. I mean, we basically I initially pitched House of the Dragon, but you were like, no, 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 that, you, you don't want to do the Game of Thrones thing. Sure. Um, you're very anti that franchise, which uh, uh, I get it. Sure. I mean, I just don't really care. I don't really like fantasy stuff in general. To be honest, I know that's your bag. I'm not trying to disparage it. It's just one of our personal things. Yeah, it's one of our sharpest divides, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So what I was going to say before is that that was the only real major release of the weekend, I'll say. I would not call it a major release. What? The Rings of Power? Funny. Oh, I thought you were talking about Funny Pages. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This actually, well, Funny Pages actually came out a couple weeks ago. It just right. never really got. It, it got a very quiet theatrical release, and it, it came out on demand. Yeah. It's been the kind reviews of a sleeper. dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the reviews dropped like August twenty fourth or something like that. Yeah, and it it went to Cannes, uh, like I think back in May, and it didn't really 
get a wide response. I don't think it was kind of one of those things where, you know, people who saw it liked it wasn't really getting a lot of buzz. It's becoming, if anything, a sleeper kind of film where, you know, the people who it's uh, made for, I guess, are kind of finding it gradually, I guess. But, you know, it is an A24 film. Uh, you know, it, it has a built-in audience that way as well. So Yeah, it's a, it's a basement VHS tape kind of movie. And more yeah, underground more. film, as it were. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so I just wanted something as a substitute because, you know, I just figured Frank's Power was going to win. I, I didn't think we had any other option, but I wanted to have a little bit of a fight. You know, I, I thought it would be a little bit more interesting if we had you wanted a to make bit it a contest. A, yeah, uh, I guess. it. W- yeah. So, yeah. Rings of Power, which I figured would win was your pick. Rings of Power, we should say, is the, the Lord of the Rings prequel series that just debuted mm-hmm. on Amazon. So yeah. the first two episodes dropped on, I want to say Friday. So yeah, right. that was the big like pop culture thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So my, I mean, I wasn't really against seeing the show uh, as it were, I guess it's not because of the fantasy thing, really. It was just because I feel it's a slippery slope to keep talking about TV shows. Like I get, you want to talk about Stranger Things, that's an event. I get it. I, you know, I'd never watched that show outside of a few episodes of season one, but you had a lot of thoughts about it. It made sense. There wasn't uh, anything else besides Minions that holiday weekend to really talk about. So you, we kind of did our own things there. And then the rehearsal was one of those things where you were on your honeymoon. Another weekend when there wasn't really much coming out besides, I think, like Emily, Emily the Criminal and Fall. So yeah, August was a dead zone, right? I mean, the yeah. only major release that came out was Bullet Train, I want to say. Bullet mm-hmm. Train and a DC League of Super Pets, I guess. Or was that like last week of July? Uh, I think that was the last weekend of July. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, still, like, <laughs> basically nothing over the last month. I, I yeah. mean, 3,000 Years of Longing, but like they barely pushed it. Orphan mm-hmm. First Kill, which... You know, again, that was while I was out. So, like, we missed talking about that one. I kind of want to see it, to be totally honest with you. And then, uh, the, I guess the only... I mean, there was Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do know. I mean, I like to think Beast was of some note. But I don't think uh, the box office suggested as much. But <laughs> Sure. Um, and then Prey just went straight to Hulu. So, mm-hmm. it was like, you know... Yeah. I feel like Prey would have been, like, a big, you know... Mm-hmm. Not big, but it could have it raked in some cash. Oh, I think, I that think was a so. Big yeah, I mean, uh, clearly uh, Disney wanted to, or they weren't as confident in that film for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. rather than uh, premiering it uh, on HBO Max, for, uh, they just decided, you know what, we're going to try to get as much attention to our service Hulu as possible. So they yeah. put it on there. Uh, and, you know, what, for better or for worse, that's what happened. But yeah. in any case, yeah, so Brings of Power was your choice. Uh, I just wanted some. I wanted uh, a dog in the fight, so I opted for funny pages because I was generally kind of curious about. I was hearing some good things about the film, as you mentioned. I wanted to see it for myself. I also wanted to be a little bit kinder to A twenty four because I feel like the last few reviews we've done, I've been you know maybe a little bit more negative. I I wasn't really crazy about men, for instance. Uh, buys 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 lets me a little bit disappointed, and I know I was a little bit less enthused with Marcel the show with shoes on compared to you, though I still like that film. I just wasn't quite on your level and some other folks' level. So I saw a film like Funny Pages, which looked up my alley. I was like, yeah, you know, if I had a choice, that would be my pick. But yeah. And then, as you mentioned, Fall Movie Preview is kind of the median thing was like, you know, everyone's happy and unhappy if we all do uh, (laughs) the Fall Movie Preview. And then Wild Card was the other option that you included. So yeah, that was our poll. And to my surprise, my honest surprise, uh, Funny Pages won. (laughs) It did. It did. And uh, I mean, I totally disagree that A24 has been 
Like, I, I feel like A24 has had a kick-ass year. Like, I, I, I mean, genuinely, when you say that, I'm just like, no, <laughs> I cannot. I can't come to that same page with you. I think this is a much stronger year, for example, than uh, last year in some respects. Well, I mean, unless you count Minari as a 21 film, but uh, still. What, what came out last year if we're comparing the two? Last year was really good. Don't get me wrong. I had Red Rocket, my favorite movie of the year. Right. Um, and it had, you know, it, like I thought the Green Knight was terrific. I and like Minari had its bigger release, mm-hmm. even though I count that more as a 2020 film. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, there was The Humans, which I never got to. Um, oh, I like that come one. On, yeah. Come on, come on, which I thought was solid. Liked, yeah. Um, Souvenir Part 2, which I thought was okay, yeah. better than the first one. And then, oh, I like that. Uh, Lamb, Zola false positive i mean movies that like i didn't see lamb but movies that i'm just like okay sure but i, I don't know i think this year i've been much more like everything everywhere all at once was like an well, event, i agree you yeah know? that's the after, big hit yeah after yang was you know i think super just yeah, just superb true. um i don't know i just feel like the highs have been higher with this year um particularly with marcel the show shoes on i think the only big miss was like men i think like with you i just thought that that was just a big old nah um, and then uh, I thought X was really good. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was thought X was fine. Um, I think for me, it's mostly just been the summer stuff. Like I, I would agree with you about uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Obviously, it's their big hit. I think with a reason. That's probably in my top five still for favorite films of the year. Even though that film has kind of gotten, you know, uh, the discourse around that film has been a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess our big disagreement would just be bias, bias, bodies, and. Um, I, I guess to a lesser extent, Marcella show. I just, I think they've had a fine year. I, I certainly think it's lesser than last year. I, I hear that list of films. I'm like, definitely, I prefer what they did last year over this year. But well, we still have a bunch of films coming up, right? We have The Whale sure. for coming yeah. up for reward season. Pearl comes out a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a bunch of stuff too that I know is on the radar, but I don't know much about the films themselves. Yeah, uh, except for Claire Denis' next film, which I'm sure I'm going to devour. So sure. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just talking generally speaking, I think this summer for a 24 has been a little bit of a decline, but that's fair enough, fair enough. only based I, on the three titles we, or the two titles really. Cause I like Marcella's show. I, I feel like I'm coming out more negative than, than you want me to seem, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I just think it was those two films really. It was just men and buys, buys, buys just left me a little disappointed. That was making me wonder like, is A24 becoming maybe a little bit of a parody of itself at this point with those two films? Oh, I think I think that is true. <laughs> I mean, I would say so with this movie, uh, with this movie, Funny Pages, which is kind of like taking the mid 90s thing and, and applying it to the early. I think this is an early 2000s film. Do you think it's late 90s, or early 2000s? Not to jump oh, into it. You mean like what time it takes place in? Yeah. I mean, um, the aesthetic is very late 90s to me, like 99, 98. But I would I would guess this movie is supposed to be like it, it's American Splendor, right? 2003, right. 2002. I I think it's deliberately vague. But yeah, I took it as like probably early to mid 2000s, probably around the like same time like Squid and the Whale came out. Right. That's uh, Owen Klein is in that. Right. Um, so this is directed by Owen Klein, uh, the son of Kevin Klein and Phoebe Cates, of course, Phoebe Cates being the Fast Times Richmond High um that the iconic you know scene in that movie she uh she's in sure. and then, she's also in gremlins you don't have to denigrate her to just one scene in a, a very famous film it's a pretty <laughs> iconic role so sure. you know. I, um, I just don't want to make it seem like we're just focusing on like the one moment in her filmography where she gets you know 
highly sexualized. It seems a little weird for this kind of conversation, you know, but she's, she was in Gremlins. She was in, um, what else is she in? I would assume uh, that that's a thing that people like recognize. Sure, yeah, that's her most readily, famous role. I get it. I get it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, um, but you're right. The Phoebe Cates has been in, um, plenty of well, other things like Parrot. I think, um, Paradise Island. Paradise Island. Yeah, sure. yeah. I just saying like, um, if for a reason, Owen Klein was listening to this conversation, I think it would be a little weird if that was the <laughs> scene we're focusing on with his mom, you know? Okay. Well, she also, she was in the second, um, Gremlins, wasn't she? She might be. I I've think actually, she was. I've never actually seen the new batch. It's one of my bigger blind spots. That's, that's pretty interesting to me. Cause I feel like you would probably like it more than the first Gremlins. Oh, I, I, I would wager a guess. So, I mean, I like um, the first Gremlins a lot. I don't know why I haven't seen it. Yeah, me neither. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, uh, so they have a kid, uh, Owen Klein and Owen Klein's been in some stuff. He, he's made a few short films, and uh, we mentioned he was in Squid and the Whale. I think he was in a Safdie's movie, like one of their early ones, too. Uh, but was he in uh, Daddy Long Legs? N- I don't know. I, I don't think that's the one. But I, I think it was. Uh, I'd, I'd have to look it up. But he he wrote and directed this movie, Funny Pages. Yeah, his and debut. His debut film. And very much like I mentioned before, it kind of is like american splendor but like it's a different take on it but it's kind of going for the same thing cartoonist in like uh, an urban setting you know yeah i mean it's a little bit it's like uh american splendor by way of like ghost world ghost world yeah um it, it's know, kind like, of like yeah yeah because it's kind of analyzing like the to, to me like i watch this movie and i'm like before the marvel stuff before everything went super like before superhero movies became mainstream before comic book culture became like the driving sort of pop culture tastemaker influence in like at least like the cinematic and streaming world there were people who were extremely nerdy about this stuff and they were far more sort of like in their own bubble with this stuff is that is that fair to say yeah a little bit more niche you could say more niche and you know there were people this movie is all about like the people that uh you pass by on the street and you pretend that you try not to make eye contact right like that's kind of where this movie is at um and it it kind of has a sort of uh adults are super weird uh kids are super weird everybody's super weird and innately mean (laughs) basically and you just kind of like come come along this like slice of life uh, adventure with this really dumb kid and i think um because he is he's a hor- horrible human being but uh that's the point obviously and i think uh so I, I think some people would probably look at this and be like this is like this is coming of age i think this is anti-coming of age <laughs> um in a good way um i think it's trying to be in, in a sense but it stars uh what's this kid's name da- daniel zogadri he was in eighth grade he was the the creepy kid in eighth grade who like drives her home like uh, after the mall hangout, right? Yeah, pretty gross, uh, dude. In that, uh, in this movie, he is a cartoonist or comic book artist. He works at a comic book store, and he kind of witnesses something like very traumatic in the beginning of this film. Uh, twice, <laughs> two very traumatic things happen to him, and then he basically tells his parents like he's going to go strike it out on his own, even though he's only seventeen. And, you know, he, he basically like leaves his suburban 
you know, middle class life in New Jersey and goes into Trenton, like the more urban area, tries to like live on his own, moves into like a creepy apartment, super weird stuff starts happening to him. And he's just kind of like trying to desperately get to the next level of his life, like shortcut his way to the next level of his life. I uh, didn't in a very arrogant fashion. Um, he's a very unlikable protagonist, but he's definitely a protagonist. I liked watching if that makes sense. Uh, I got to say though, I, I love what this movie's doing. I don't love this movie. I just don't. I, I had a hard time watching it. It's not the gross stuff. There's a lot of gross stuff in this movie. That stuff is like when I would like perk up a little bit and be like, all right, now we're doing something. I just feel like this is a really good aesthetic and it has a very good message, but it's in a story that to me feels anemic. Like, I really just think that this movie just doesn't move uh, in a sort of like, like it, it stuff happens in this, but it's all very incidental. I just didn't find myself really gripped by it. But uh, where, where are you at with funny pages? Uh, certainly more positive, I would say. Uh, I was actually pretty impressed by how, uh, I guess, self-aware Clyde is about this film. I mean, I'm not going to assume it's autobiographical because I don't know if it is or not, but I, it seems like it's type of film where he knows the sort of pressure that I think people people put on like this, like, oh, you know, he's kind of, you know, quote unquote nepotism baby, getting to like make his first film and all this stuff. And he's trying to copy Terry Zwigloff and, uh, you know, his uh, influence with Noah Baumbach. And, you know, obviously the Safdie brothers are producers on the film and they, they certainly lend their aesthetic to the film. And I think he's certainly a pupil of their work. And so you can see a lot of the influences here, but the story, as we mentioned, is about a guy who thinks he can kind of just meet them at their level just because he had this sort of life where he's trying to get, you know, he's obviously privileged, but he's trying to kind of go into this underground aesthetic, kind of, you know, tourist his way into poverty a little bit. That's the autobiographical get... part of it, right? That you can imagine Owen Klein sort of like probably going through this exercise himself. Well, I mean, I don't know if he did or not, but I, I imagine he kind of had maybe sort of a similar wake up call, not to the extreme that happens in this film, but he maybe had a kind of similar idea where he like went through life kind of hoping that he could, you know, kind of have avenues open for him just if he humbles himself a little bit and he had to have kind of like a cold uh, slab of water kind of thrown on him at certain points. I don't know if that's true or not, but the movie itself, I really admired that he seems to take the right lessons from Terry Zugloff and, you know, from Noah Baumbach, from the Safties, and, and not only telling a story that has like their aesthetics, but seeming to understand why those movies work and why those movies are sort of uncompromising, why they're willing to take some risk as it were. And I don't know. I just, I thought it really, uh, it, it worked for me. I mean, I, I don't think it's able to be on their level per se in a sort of ironic fashion, but I think he takes the right lessons. And certainly for a debut, I think he is able to, capture a lot of the, the sort of ickiness and weirdness and the the idiosyncrasies of their of their works and i guess there's a temptation here because he's obviously casting a lot of zigoff and safety brothers regulars the kind of off-kilter guys that look like people who would be in an r crumb comic yeah. or something like that and there's some they, well they look like people you would actually encounter in the real world i think that's the that's the safety brothers formula I guess, but I, I like that they look very much like they're drawn, like they're characters who are coming to life in 
a very sort of cartoonish fashion, but there there is that grounded aesthetic from the Safdies that makes it feel like there is something kind of realistic about this, even when it gets a little bit heightened uh, towards the end or the second half. And I like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a temptation here, I guess, to almost sort of gawk at them and like not really uh, have Zigoff's like uh, mix of like admiration, but also kind of weird sort of put off by them like you know certainly like a, a documentary like crumb he's fascinated by the subject but he's also a little repelled he's a weird you know anti-social kind of guy but he's interested and i think there's a temptation here to not want to capture that same balance because it can be a little bit more of like a gawking kind of thing like he's admiring them but not really sympathizing with them but i think because the protagonist as you mentioned is someone who innately doesn't really learn lessons until he learns them the hard way i think he his film becomes a more poignant commentary because he has you know this sort of hard core wake-up call he can only really captured i think by making his character sort of repellent and making him you know i totally agree with that yeah i I think he yeah. yeah sorry go ahead no, that, that you're right. You're spot on because like he has to be unlikable because if he's likable and because you you are, especially as a, like a filmmaker in his shoes, Owen Klein, you have to get this message across in a hard way. Uh, it, it's a hard message to get across of like, there are a lot of people I bet watching this who are that character, who are this sort of like, they come from like a, the suburban sort of life or whatever. And they, they just want to sort of, um, you know, humble themselves, right. In a very like inauthentic way and get spat up by the real world. Uh, and that, that to me is like why he has to be like a hard character to watch. He has to do dumb things and be arrogant because otherwise you're glorifying his quest, which I don't think is what Klein wants the audience to experience. Right. And so I think that's a pretty admirable thing to do for a first film. Like, I don't think it's saying anything totally deep or profound, but his willingness to do this in a sort of uncompromising way suggests that he is taking the right lessons from these uh, influences of his. And I don't know what he's going to do next, if he's going to do something very similar, if he's going to double down, if he's going to do something a little bit more conventional later on. But for a debut film, I I find to be very promising. You don't know. He's directing Ant-Man 4 after this. (laughs) That's a joke, but I could see the color like leave your face of like, that could be true. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not unprecedented. Exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he certainly has a love of comics, as it were. And uh, I mean, he tries to kind of, in an unorthodox way, get into superheroes in this film. So, you know, sure. I guess it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I got I got to say, I, you know, like, again, it, it's not that I dislike the movie. You know, I don't like I, I, I do think that it's like it's doing something kind of interesting. And I, I, the griminess is certainly something that I always appreciate. Uh, I, I did have a little bit like we were talking about, like the parody of like an A24 film. I I have a hard time. I think it's a little too washed out. Like, I think that it's it's an aesthetic that like it was shot on 16 millimeter, but it's like trying so hard to evoke the era that I think they went back a little bit too far. And so there were times when I just felt like it was a little inauthentic to me. Uh, well, that- it was trying so hard to be authentic that it kind of lost me a little bit on the immersion of the world. Cause it just constantly felt like I was watching an A24 movie with a grainy filter. But see, I find that to be kind of fitting. Like, I don't know if that's intentional or not, or maybe that's me making excuses, but I feel like the fact that it tries a little too hard to catch that griminess, that it is like a little oversaturated, made sense. Cause that's fitting for the character. Like he's, 
Let's see, that's like a post hoc justification you can make. Whereas, I like guess. while watching the movie, it's like a little distracting. I don't I mean, know. Yeah, I mean, you could you could read into it after the fact. But that's what I was thinking about while I was watching the film. So I don't know if I necessarily. Okay, agree. yeah, I, I just I just wasn't then. Yeah. See, because I know when the movie started, I was kind of like this seems like a little like oversaturated, and I'm thinking about it, like as a character is also like trying to like get himself into this place that's not super authentic but he's you know trying to merge himself in it made sense for me when we first saw the apartment and like there's clearly a lot of tension put into like the griminess of it but the, the look of it feels like it's like almost a little like too overthought and it made sense i don't know like i said maybe it's me making excuses but i, well, I mean if you, if you had that honest thought during the movie i'm kind of surprised that your mind went there i'm impressed if anything else because i guess for me it's like i'm watching it and to me I, I, that's not the stuff i'm thinking about i'm thinking more about like I, I just, I just, uh, with this kid and like in these dangerous situations, I'm just so fixated on what makes him tick. And on the one hand, I'm glad that the movie doesn't like go too far with trying to be a character study. And instead it, you know, it, it's plotting. There's still stuff that happens. It's not like a bunch of monologues. It's not just this kid sitting around telling the audience what he thinks. There's a, a lot more showing here than telling, which I do like, but I do also think that on the other side of the spectrum, I feel like there, there were maybe some just uh, missing ingredients that I, I kind of wanted a little bit more of like a, I wanted to feel alongside this character. And I, I just don't think I got that. I, I don't think I felt anything that he felt except for a couple of scenes where he feels absolute abject terror. I definitely felt that um, there's a moment where he walks into a room and witnesses something. And, you know, he and I were standing there jaws down and he's, he looked at me, the character, and he was like, can you, can you believe what we're looking at, John? And I was like, I, I, I genuinely can't. I, I'm, I'm really shocked. Let's get out of here. So, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I I felt for me it was just that sort of uncomfortable unease allowed me to kind of guide into it was, you know, I mean, I guess it's not like totally about immersing yourself completely into his perspective, but I felt like the film is trying to be self-aware enough to like acknowledge like, yeah, this is a kind of crummy dude. You don't really want to like you can see some of yourself in him maybe if you uh you know can relate to him in certain ways but you know you, you, the filmmaker here klein is like trying to kind of get that balance of you know getting us in his shoes understanding him as a character but also being removed enough to kind of acknowledge that like yeah he's just he's in for a hard lesson and you know he's kind of have to watch uh what's going to happen i felt that's a tricky balance that he pulled off pretty well but if we disagree that's fine i understand <laughs> Well, uh, I, a couple things. I mean, I really liked uh, when they were in the comic book shop and the the scene with like I, f- I felt really bad for Miles um, oh, in poor all Miles, facets. Man. Yeah, yeah, holy. Uh, uh, <laughs> and there there's a character who like uh, I forget the character's name, but he sort of is evaluating Miles' comic at one point and his like commentary about the on that. Andy Milnakis character is that who it was? Okay, yeah, because he the guy the, in the comic shop. Not the guy who ran the store. No, but no, the no. Guy Andy Milnakis is the the guy that like scolds Miles the comic. Yes, that. that yeah. Okay, yeah, for the Bean World thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I wanted the movie to sort of like just kind of veer off with that character for a little bit. Like let's let's get <laughs> let's get his B plot because I definitely I was very fascinated by his his acting and like uh, it sounds like you've seen him in other things. I haven't. Whoa. So I was. I mean, did you not taken. know about the Andy Milnakis show? No, I never saw it. What is wow, it? Wow, I mean, that's that's surprising. I mean, I'm not like a like fan per se. Like, I'm not as familiar with his work, but I'm definitely aware of him. I was yeah, surprised I mean, when keep, he showed up in this. I was like, wait a minute, is that Andy Milnakis? <laughs> you can, you can keep then, putting like, me on blast if you want. Yeah. Um, I, 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 know, I mean, just, I just looked surprised. it up. 
yeah. it looks like he was also in uh waiting i didn't i don't remember him oh yeah he was in like the yeah yeah he's in waiting he's uh like in the like dishwasher crew and stuff okay uh, he, he mean, hasn't really been much he, he was like a child star of like the 90s he had like his own i think it was like mtv show and he was like kind of like you know a little bit of like a rebel rouser and then he got older and he you know kind of uh stopped being in as many things for whatever reason but yeah it was, it was really surprising to see him in this oh, so like yeah if his show was mtv that's why because i didn't really watch mtv at all like growing up well, so neither did i but i was familiar with andy milanakis like i mean yeah no i mean uh, if you ever like went to Fye, like the uh, every season of that DVD, you know you could just see them. I I was very familiar. See, when I when I went to yeah. Fye, I wasn't I wasn't in the DVD section. Well, I was I was over by CD? like those like posters in the back. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, like and I would always like look through my friends and we would talk about the, uh, you know, like we would go over and be like, okay, but did John Lennon actually or did uh, Paul McCartney die? And we'd look at the poster of Abbey Road. Like that's where I was at. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Teach your own. Uh, I didn't really sure. uh, have like FYEs close to me. So anytime I just went there, I would, it, it'd have to be like a trek for me. Mm. To, we had one in our mall. You didn't mm. have, did you have a mall in Bethel? Yeah. Yeah. Park I mean, there was work? one, uh, it, it was at a mall, but it wasn't like the mall nearest to me. Mm. Unless I'm misremembering. Mm. It's been a little bit since, I don't even know if, are FYEs still around anymore? I don't think they are. Uh, there might be a few okay. kicking, um, because they, they kind of like transition to being kind of like Spencer's gifts a little yeah, bit, yeah, you know? something like that, yeah, whatever. Um, but back to this movie, I think that anyway. uh, I I do I do applaud the the the, uh, the the restraint on Owen Klein's, uh, you know, not to have like a call to eighth grade for <laughs> Daniel Zilgadri and have him like be in a mall at one point. So there's that. Uh, I I do want to say like there 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 also like to me the best parts of this movie is like. I think the opening like 10 minutes is really good. Like I was definitely like hooked because I was just like, this is a movie that I think is going to be like really um, impacting. And I think it's like, I, I definitely, I, I tweeted today. I was like, Oh man, is this what it was like to work for like Nickelodeon and like Dan Schneider, you know, in like the early two thousands? I know, but like considering Janet McCurdy's um, Janet McCurdy's uh, memoir that she just right. came out with, kind of putting them on blast for like her experience with like Carly, and right. you know, I, I think like there's definitely a story there to tell, and I was kind of getting a little bit of that from this movie. Incidentally, mm. my thing with this is that I really love the first ten minutes, but then aside from like a couple scenes later i don't know i just think the movie kind of flattens for me i i just don't think that it it the, i don't think the rising action is there i just felt like things just kept happening and we were kind of all over the map i think it's on purpose i think owen klein is trying to do something a little bit more true to life he's trying to sort of like slow do a little bit more of a slow burn even though it's a short right. movie i guess though it just like it, it doesn't have like the ingredients of a very effective film at least for me but I can certainly appreciate it. It's just, it's like eating a meal that like breaks certain rules and you're just like, man, it's cool that you broke some rules, but this is still like paprika on ice cream. So I'm kind of sort of, you know, uh, I, I have a, I guess like a limit on how much I can appreciate. I guess for me, I just appreciate that the movie is aware enough that like, yeah, like if a guy like this happens to exist, he's not going to have like that, like, you know, like these, high marks of like a life that's going to like, and this happens, this happens, this happens. It's going to be a little bit more incidental and he's going to assume like greater things are to come. And obviously that's not the case. So it felt like you said, like a little bit more realistic to me that it had like kind of a, a, a slodgy sort of like um, pacing in that respect, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I, I felt to me like that was something that was a little bit more endearing about the film is that it wasn't 
as beholden to like a structure like that, like a three act structure. Like it felt a little bit more willing to let the characters feel a little bit more lived in and present. Uh, to me, that made it more uh, of a, um, you know, maybe not realistic, but feel a little bit more authentic, I guess, like you were saying. So, yeah, I don't know. I find that to be a pretty admirable thing that he pulled off here. I'm surprised it's a con movie because this feels so much like a Sundance picture to me, you know, like this sure. feels like something I would have watched. Yeah. In Park City with like a whole bunch of people, not, you know, by myself, you know, on, you know, on uh, TV at home. It, it does feel like the like a festival movie that's probably best appreciated with a group, but uh, not not the case for a lot of people, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, like I said, it's going to be a fairly niche film. I also feel it's the type of film for people like us who like see a lot of coming of age movies like this, that sure. the fact that it's acknowledging kind of the tropes and subverting them in sort of biting ways and sort of acidic ways, like it feels to me like a film for the type of crowds who see like a billion of these coming of age movies. And the fact that it harshly sort of subverts the, the, the expectations and the tropes is very rewarding for us, but like for a wide audience, it's, it's understandable that even A24, a studio that likes to make fairly, you know, minor uh, indie films have like a major platform where like, yeah, this is maybe more of a small limited theatrical release and on demand same day sort of deal. Like they acknowledge that the crowd that uh, this is for might be a little bit smaller than, than something like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. But yeah, same this time, more like, a, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like a street street cred kind of movie isn't it yeah like you know like something you kind of find in, in like in the back shelf of the comic store as it were um but yeah for me like when we were talking about bodies 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 like not a film i hate per se but a film i guess a little bit more critical critical of than you because it feels like that's trying to be uh satirical of a sort of generation that you know oblivious characters not like this but of a similar vein i guess like characters who aren't self-aware and kind of learn the hard way some harsh lessons and i felt for me that movie didn't quite stick to landing that the jokes weren't quite as uh, biting as in that respect and i felt like this movie feels like a kind of night and day comparison in that respect like this movie is a lot more willing to be in the thick of it be a lot harsher and a lot meaner than that film yeah. was and I, I can respect if you disagree with that but it, it felt more refreshing to see a film like this after having a kind of more muted response to bodies 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 well i mean despite my criticisms uh, you know I, I have been thinking about writing about this movie and if i if i published a rod tomatoes it, it would be it would be fresh um, I, certainly like I would not look at this movie and just be like, blah, splat. Um, but at the same time to what you're saying, yeah, I, just, I don't think it's for everybody. And I, I'm glad it is. And I don't think every movie should be for everybody. Uh, so in this case, I, I definitely, there's more to like here than I think dislike. It's just that I think that there are some caveats with this movie that I would, I would warn some of our, you know, listeners who I know, like, I know a ton of cinemaholic listeners will get something out of this. Um, clearly they voted for the movie, you know, they wanted us to talk about it. So I'd, yeah. I would just be like, Hey, you know, go into it with an open mind, but certainly a guarded one. <laughs> Cause it might, yeah. it might uh, rub you the wrong way in some respects. It's cringe comedy for sure. But sure. I know for a lot of people, I, I feel like more listeners than not will appreciate it for that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't know uh, how wide, like I said, the audience is for it, but I imagine it's going to be maybe a little bit wider uh, than A24 maybe anticipated. Yeah. You know, it, it does feel like mm-hmm. it would be a fun double feature or something like Under the Silver Lake, which kind of tackles some similar things in a sort sure. of different way. But yeah, I mean, it's not as good as that film, I think, but I think it, it would be a fun double feature to be sure. Yeah, I guess like I invoke our listeners because I know like our listeners tell us, you know, they, they want to feel something with movies. They want original stuff. And this is absolutely an original movie. <laughs> so, uh, But of course, mileage will vary. 
All right, let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. Will, we got 73 reviews counted, and we have fewer than 50 audience score ratings. So might be a tough one to predict, but I'm curious where you're going to land. What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is for Funny Pages? Uh, I feel like critics are generally going to be on its side. Maybe not overwhelmingly so, but they're going to recognize the craft, you know, recognize what it's doing, uh, at least appreciate it like you were. Uh, I'm going to say 82%. I, you know, I'm a little close, a little close. It's a 77 so you were you were off by five, a little bit lower. Hmm. Um, and it's funny because I, I was looking at the people who were negative, and it's not a lot of critics that I keep up with. Um, in fact, uh, the, one of the critics, one of the critics who gave it uh, a, a fresh was Armand White from National Review. I was kind of oh, surprised actually, to see that. That actually makes sense. I feel like, like, yeah, if, yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's someone who's like, if you're gonna d- do something, double down and do it. And this is a film that sure. does that, so it's like that makes sense. Fair enough. All right, but what about the audience score? Like I said, fewer than 50 ratings. What do you think? This is where it gets tricky because I, I don't know. Uh, the, the type of people who go on to Rotten Tomatoes and give either positive or negative reviews, I don't know if they're going to respond to this film or quite appreciate it. But I feel like, you know, it's an A24 crowd. I think they're going to know somewhat what they're going to get with this. So I'm going to say, oh, 71%. Unfortunately, it's much lower. It's uh, oh, okay. 41%. All right, I should have yeah. guessed. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I probably would have guessed along the same lines as you, though, just considering the like the limited aspect of it. I feel like people going to an art house theater to watch this kind of want a movie like this, I would assume, but uh, I guess not. Uh, all right, and uh, that's Funny Pages. It's available in select theaters right now. If you like Safdie Brothers movies, you know, they, they did produce this, and, you know, it certainly is of a kind with good time and... Uh, like we said already, you know, yeah. Squid and the Whale and American Splendor, Ghost World. It, it certainly has like a type. And so yeah. it's available for you all. I, oh, yeah. We could do Letterboxd, too. We, I don't have a I don't see a cinema score for it. Okay. But for Letterboxd, we have 7.1 thousand watches, much higher than I would have guessed, actually. Uh, what do you think the average rating is from zero to five on Letterboxd? Um, I feel like guess is rating a lot, but 3.4. Oh, so close. So close. 3.5. You're just okay. point one off. Hmm. Very good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I would agree with all that. I would say definitely if you like Daniel Klaus and Terry Zigoff as well, I think it's very much up their alley. It, it's been a long time since we've gotten a Terry Zigoff film. And I feel like this is maybe as close we'll get in the next few years. And if that's the case, I'm certainly very appreciative of that. All right. Uh, that is funny pages. Next week, uh, I think we have like two films uh, sure. that are up for contention. Now, we didn't talk about Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Forgot to mention that at the top of the mm. show. That yeah. did come out um, on Peacock this past weekend. And we, the reason we didn't talk about it is we already talked about it on an early episode of the show because we both watched it for Sundance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still recommend that movie. I know you didn't like it as much, Will, but uh, that's yeah. Focus Features uh, um, joint. And uh, I liked it a good bit, but you can mm-hmm. you guys can check that out if you're interested. Yeah. And uh, this coming weekend, um, there are a couple things coming out. The the two big ones are Pinocchio and Barbarian. Yeah. And I, I would like to talk about both of them. I'm planning sure. to see Barbarian. I have a screening this week. Uh, I should be making it. Mm. Uh, I was supposed to watch Pinocchio. I got the screener, but uh, I, I, I didn't have time to watch Pinocchio. Uh-huh. So I'll be watching it on Thursday with everybody else. Pinocchio, oh, okay. is the it's like the live action remake uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Not yeah, the gotta, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro yeah. one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 This is the one with Tom Hanks. And yeah. Joseph Gordon Lovett, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's their uh, reunion, right? Is this the first movie that Zemeckis has directed with Tom Hanks since Castaway? I wonder. So. Yeah, that might be the case. And didn't Zemeckis also do that one with Joseph Gordon Lovett? The the Walk was that him? Yeah, yeah, that was him. 
Yeah. So yeah, kind of a fun. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen Hanks and Levitt in a, in a film together. Uh, Keegan Michael Key is also in it too. Cynthia Riva and Luke Evans. But uh, yeah, I I think this Pinocchio movie. I hope it freaks me out. I hope it's a horror movie, but I know it won't be. I mean, I know one friend of the pod who has seen it, and they had some very interesting things to say about it. I don't know if the embargo is broken, so I won't. Not uh, you know. quite. Yeah, they, they, I'm a little nervous because the embargo, I think, is not until like the day it comes out. <laughs> so oh, either the boy. day it comes out or the day before. So like yeah. right before. So that might be a bad sign. We'll have to see. But uh, I don't know. between I do want to see Barbarian a lot, though. Uh, Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long, Regina Campbell. Uh, mm. I think that that could be uh, a fun horror movie watch. You know, yeah. we haven't talked about a, a, a real, like, full-on horror movie in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, do you plan on seeing that? Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely curious. Yeah, I've been hearing, as I think I mentioned in the previous Cinemaholics episode, that this might be this year's Malignant, which certainly piques my interest. Right. Uh, Same here. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Zach Kreger, I believe is his name. It's like one half of the whitest kids you know. That's right. That's here. right. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the uh, the, Trevor, the other whitest kid, you know, yeah. um, Trevor um, passed. Trevor uh, Moore. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor Moore, huh? I believe. Yeah. Trevor Moore. Yeah. Trevor Moore. I think you're yeah. right. Because um, the other guy is Sam Brown. Um, Trevor Moore passed. I think was that last year? I believe or so. Two yeah. years ago. It was ah, like an so accident. Tragic. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, this is uh, Zach Kreger's. I, he's done a bunch of TV stuff and I I know he's done short films. I don't know if he's ever well, directed is, a full length film on his uh, own because I know no, he did no. Miss March, but I yeah. think he co-directed that. Right. He corrected. He co-directed that with the late Trevor Moore. So and that was ages ago. Did you yeah. did you watch Miss March? I did. Yeah, I, I yeah. wasn't crazy about it. I mean, you know, I I felt it didn't quite have the same spark as uh, their better whitest kids you know skits but you know we I'm, might have I'm, to go on yeah. a whitest kids you know like binge or something I, it's a been fan? a long time since i watched some of those skits okay. on youtube i mean you know i i there's certainly some that i think hold up pretty well sure yeah all right for the time being uh we'll be back next week and we'll, we'll be talking about one or both of those movies coming up on the show um but until then definitely connect with us on social media we have our twitter and everything hit us up if you have any comments on the show you can also email us cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com is how you do that we also have a patreon website all that good stuff you know the deal uh for now though will uh, i guess i'll see you on the next one for the united california i'm john agroni and for united pennsylvania i'm Wash. see you next time <laughs>